As usual, I asked our guest, Zach Kruger, to pound the table for some of this offseason. Zach, who you pounded the table for? Uh, so my pound the table guy is going to be Tennessee Titans running back Darrington Evans. Uh, he is Ooh. a guy who I like a Shocker. lot. Shocker. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say, like, I, I said I've been pounding the table a bit for him just this offseason. So now I'm officially asked to pound the table for him. And I was like, why not just go back to the, you know, the, the familiar take that I've been running all offseason. Um, you know, he didn't do a lot last season. He, he kind of dealt with the injury. He only had 14 carries for 54 yards. He had another two catches for 27 yards and a touchdown. Uh, in half PPR scoring, he only had 15.1 fantasy points. So he truly did not do very much, and he was hampered by an injury. But in one of my recent articles that I think we're probably going to cover a little bit later on, so I won't get too deep into it, but I did mention Darrington Evans as a guy who I view as a potential league winner in the event that something should happen to Derrick Henry. Um, we know the Titans are one of the most run-heavy offenses in the league over the last several seasons. Obviously, a lot of that has to do with Derrick Henry, but I think that there's a chance that even if Henry is healthy, that this year we will hopefully see Darrington Evans receiving upside um, that we simply know that Derrick Henry does not provide to this offense. Um, Julio Jones being added to the roster uh, during the offseason probably took away some of the potential pass-catching opportunities that I thought he may have had when we were originally talking about A.J. Brown and Josh Reynolds being the top two wide receivers on that team. But I could still see a situation where Darrington Evans is seeing a third-down role in this offense. He's actually starting tonight and uh, the preseason game for the Titans. So it'll be interesting to see how they utilize him today. And uh, yeah, I think that if something were to happen again to Derrick Henry, I think Evans kind of falls into that role as kind of being the lead back there. Hopefully maybe a little bit of Brian Hill sprinkled in, but I'm not too concerned about him. And uh, I, you know, I, I, I trust that his third round value is going to be something that they're going to look to, uh, you know, exploit and capitalize on this year and not show that he's a wasted pick in year two. Um, if you're looking on the underdog fantasy website, his ADP is currently 195.7 overall, pretty much in the free range of players that you could be taking, depending on how you're building out your rosters. And best ball, I think he's a really nice late round ad uh, to kind of close out your roster. I love it. I love it. I loved him coming out of college last year. I was excited to see him go to Tennessee. I'm, I'm hoping... Hoping he can stay healthy. He looked really good Friday night. Uh, looked like they had him doing everything for that offense and on special teams. I know he kind of came up uh, with a hammy, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think he'll be good. Hopefully, he'll stay healthy. Everyone, follow Zach's advice. Go get you some Darrington Evans. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the most accurate podcast. I am your humble host, Brandon Niles. My co-host today is the unparalleled Jen Akins. How's it going, Jen? I'm doing good today. It's, uh, yeah, life's pretty good. Um, still, still over there grinding the, uh, the best ball stuff on underdog. Um, you know, it's funny. They, they had the puppy two closed today. I think I, there's rumors of a puppy three, but, uh, the puppy two, the puppy one and the puppy two are done. Um, which is their, you know, $5 tournaments, um, which is fantastic. But for those of you out there that have not partaken in underdog i don't know how you couldn't by now but if you haven't we still have a screaming deal basically if you put if you haven't if, you, if you've never played an underdog if you open an account you put just 10 bucks in there underdog is going to give you 25 right then and there to play and you get a free subscription to 444 so i mean it's a ridiculous deal that i don't understand how anybody's making money on it but they are i guess and it's happening so um you get a full season of all the 444 content rankings tools all of it for 10 bucks yeah, great opportunity to go in there and draft some Darrington Evans late. It'd be awesome. <laughs> uh, thanks, Jen. As That's I mentioned, right. we're pumped to have Zach Kruger here on the show today. You can follow Zach on Twitter at ZK underscore FFB. And check out all his fantastic stuff, both at 444 and at Rotoviz. Zach, thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for having me on, guys. Really looking forward to doing this with you all. I first started listening to TMAP maybe about a year and a half ago. Um, I had turned on the show, and it was I think Greg was hosting at the time. And one of the songs, he's always opened up with awesome music. He opened it up with the Hot Water Music um, song, and that's a band who I listen to, one of their lead players. Uh, his name is Chuck Reagan, awesome musician as well. Really enjoy his music. And when I heard that open, I was like, TMAP is a podcast. <laughs> I will keep coming back to it for nothing else than the opening music. But the content's also pretty solid, so uh, happy to be on here with you guys. Really awesome show you guys have going on over here. Looking forward to talking some ball with you guys tonight. 
Thanks, man. The cool thing about having uh, Greg in our Slack channel is you can talk to him about music. He has great music takes. We actually have a music channel that he and John Paulson always put out, like, really good new albums. So oh. I just kind of go there to check out new music. That's I'd go to the music channel and just kind of grab whatever album they're recommending. Uh, Zach, I want to give you a chance to talk about reverse engineering the FFPC ADP draft grid and applying it to mm -hmm. best ball. Because I just read your article about that on Rotoviz last week, and I uh, was just wondering, can you tell me a little about, about what led to that article and how it applies to best ball lineups? Yeah, so uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe about a month ago now, I was doing my uh, best ball live stream. It's called Roster Lock, the best ball show over on the Rotoviz YouTube channel with Sean Siegel. Uh, we know that Sean is just a tremendous fantasy football mind. He's always coming up with new ideas and awesome ways to uh, tell us how to win our leagues. And one of the things that Sean has been doing over the last several seasons is this idea of reverse engineering a draft, which is essentially taking a look at how you might approach a draft from the back to the front rather than the traditional way we do it, a front to back. We know that there's a lot of unexpected things that can take place within a draft, and if we're constantly looking at it from a front to back angle, uh, we may not always necessarily know how to counter some of the unexpected things that take place within a draft room. So reverse engineering a draft gives us the opportunity to hopefully prep correctly for um, maybe any unexpected things that we may have come across our way in the draft. We know what our pivots are going to be because, um, you know, we did this prep from the back to the front of the draft. And then also, um, when you're considering your build and how you're building your roster out structurally, uh, and you can take it a number of ways, which is why in my article I kind of mentioned a couple players for each round because depending on how you're building out your roster, I kind of wanted to cover all the players. But depending on how you're building out your roster structurally, that can also determine what players make the most sense in those late rounds. You can carry it all the way to the front. Um, I, I got about 2,500 words in that article. I wasn't about to, I wasn't about to do a 10,000-word <laughs> article on reverse engineering, so I cut it off after the uh, last five rounds of the draft. But it's just another way to prepare for your draft and kind of map out different angles that you can take either in preparation for how the room might unfold or in preparation for how you are looking to uh, properly construct your roster towards the end of the draft. Wow, that's crazy. I've you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how in, in the fantasy football world, we can like somehow still come up with different things ways <laughs> to look at things because that's something, I mean, I personally never thought about it, but I think it's interesting, especially in FFPC because it's kind of, I mean, depending on whether you're in the slim or the regular, um, it's kind of interesting to, to look at it from the other side. Um, or from the backside, I guess. Yeah, so. yeah, no, that, that that's right, and uh, that and that's the other thing too. You mentioned FFPC. One of the things with FFPC leagues that's a little bit different, I think, compared to some of these other um, rooms that we're in. We mentioned Underdog earlier. Underdog is a really, really sharp room that has made a lot of adjustments for um, the best ball format these days. It's got really, really good ADP. FFPC ADP looks very hard still at running backs. I think there's just a lot of fantasy football traditionalists in there who are out there tackling the running back position early and then getting wide receivers. So if you're doing something like a zero RB build, having a plan on how you're going to uh, build out your roster, particularly at the running back position towards the end of that draft, you can get a sense of guys who are going to be there in addition to guys who are going to fit your build and hopefully capitalize on some of those late round running backs who are maybe falling due to so many teams being top heavy at the position. Yeah, I need to get into a little more SSPC. I did some earlier on in the season. And then and it's funny, I got killed because I did, uh, I usually do a slim. I did a regular and I just all of a sudden, I can't remember exactly what round it was. It was just like, boom, it was just defenses like every, and I, and I was on the other side and I got complete, all of a sudden I was left with literally the dregs of defense, even as my first one. Um, Cause I was just like, wait, what's happening? Why is everybody taking a defense all of a sudden? And it wasn't even, I don't know. It was strange. I mean, obviously as we know, every, every side has their own, you know, thing. And like you said, underdog, it's people are starting, there's definitely more sharp people in there. And I've noticed the same shift where all of a sudden, wide, I mean, people are just, the, the wide receiver thirst is insane um, on underdog all of a sudden. And I, I think I need to wander my way back to FFPC for a little bit and see how that looks. Yeah, the defenses are, are tough in FFPC, especially we we uh, we know with some of our tools over at the Rotov is also um, that having three kickers and three defenses is ideal. And when you're talking about a 12-team draft, that's essentially saying that you have to have 36 available uh, positions there. And in a 32-team league, you really don't want to be caught kind of holding what's left of the right. bag at the end of a draft so it's tricky I, I i felt the exact same way uh heading into ffpc drafts earlier this year 
and best like, ball. What is happening? Like it's, all of a sudden, I got screwed. I had no defense. I was like, well, how did this happen? Like, who cares about? Like, why is this happening? <laughs> right, oh, you're man. rolling with the the Lions and the Texans, and you just have a smile on your face. Yeah. The whole way. <laughs> like, all right, I guess the rest of my team's gonna carry me through this. <laughs> my my one FFPC uh, roster has Cam Akers on it, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna look, <laughs> look away from that for this. Season. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> thanks so much, Zach. I I want to do like a little icebreaker segment before we get into the NFC East, which we're going to get into. So I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but I just want to play a little Who'd You Rather. It's something I like to do sometimes uh, with Jen specifically because Jen always has really good insight uh, when looking at two very similar ADP players, uh, and then it's always kind of fun for the guests as well. So let's start with the 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 glamour position, the running back, right? The the traditional fantasy glamour position. Uh, we've got Nick Chubb and Antonio Gibson both going right around pick 15 on underdog right now it's the rb9 and rb10 off the board let's start with you zach are you buying nick chubb or antonio gibson yeah so um it's interesting actually antonio gibson i feel like has been kind of propped up a little bit in recent weeks earlier you could kind of get him closer to the middle second maybe even the end occasionally and now he's he's coming right there at the beginning of the second round in some cases so it's tough to you know now have to make this decision between chubb and uh gibson in this case for me it would still be antonio gibson for a couple reasons one just being that we're kind of expecting that he's going to really come a little bit more into form in year two now that he's had a chance to experience one season in the nfl as a running back uh we know last year he was coming into the league from memphis university he did not have a lot of experience uh as a running back much less college touches i think he had less than 100 college touches in his career at memphis and there were a lot of question marks surrounding whether or not he'd be able to hold up at the running back position or if he'd even be able to play at the level we wanted to see him play it at and he kind of exceeded all of our expectations on top of that he had double digit touchdowns was unfortunately injured late in the season and kind of saw his production tail off over the final three or four weeks but I expect him to get a little bit more receiving upside which we know Nick Chubb probably isn't going to give us and I think with it when it comes to the Browns Kareem Hunt is still going to be on the field probably in the third down role we know that Kareem Hunt gives a lot of upside in terms of his pass catching ability and just as a pure runner that I think when it comes to my preference, I'm still going to try to chase that volume where I think it's going to exist more for Antonio Gibson this year uh, with with Washington. So it would be Gibson for me with the PPR upside just plus the overall rushing volume. That makes sense. Jen, who do you prefer, Nick Chubb or Antonio Gibson? This is a hard one for me because, um, as everyone knows, I'm a total UGA homer. It's hard for me to pass <laughs> Nick Chubb. Like, I, I forgot just, about I that. I, should... I know, and I just... <laughs> You know, I try not to let emotions get in fantasy, and, and they usually don't for me. I, I'm definitely, you know, after 25 years of playing, I can definitely compartmentalize my, my fandom and all of that. But mm-hmm. um, seeing them both there, I'm probably going to go for Chubb. I think, though, I don't know, Antonio Gibson, you know, last year was great. I mean, he was a, a fantastic value last year. You know, he was he was going super late, and um, those of us at four for four were actually on him. So most of us drafted a lot of him last year and he panned mm-hmm. out and he was great. Uh, this year he's expected to do well. And it makes me a little bit nervous. Um, we don't exactly know what's going to go on with JD McKissick. I mean, you would think that Gibson's going to end up getting more of that pass catching work, but you never know. Um, we've got Fitzpatrick now, which kind of changes things. So gun to my head, I'm going to go Chubb, but I kind of, you know, like all of us, I'm going to diversify and I'm going to end up taking them both, you know, here and there as it is. Yeah, yeah, I'm hedging. I, if I have the 12th pick, I'm just going to take both of them and move on. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 not a bad option either. One more thing on that, just real quick. I don't want to I don't want to stick on this for too long. But the other thing sure. too, I think, is that you you probably recognize also that Nick Chubb is potential you know borderline top three maybe top five running back if something were to happen to Kareem Hunt which I think is another angle that a lot of people mm-hmm. aren't always considering whereas the upside for Antonio Gibson is more just kind of going to be based on his overall performance and not anybody else on that roster going down maybe if JD McKissick goes down he sees more receiving upside but there's also that possibility that Antonio Gibson just sees far more receiving work than we're expecting regardless of whether or not McKissick is healthy so there's there's some upside to be baked into Nick Chubb in terms of whether or not Kareem Hunt were to go down at any point in the season mm-hmm. yeah yeah I know great takes on both these guys I like both these guys as well um let's go let's do uh quarterbacks this time Zach uh Lamar Jackson Kyler Murray uh both Konami code quarterbacks both young exciting players in in offenses that will cater to what they do well uh Lamar Jackson go and pick pick 54.5 Kyler Murray going less than two picks later so very similar to ADP uh which quarterback are you taking between those two 
for, I mean, this is, uh, I guess the reason their ADPs are so close is because they really are kind of toss-ups in some points in time. So it makes mm-hmm. sense. But I think for me, it's going to be Kyler Murray. Uh, when it comes just the offense that he's playing in, they're going to, I think, cater a little bit more towards a passing game than we would expect the Ravens to. I know we were talking about and hoping that the Ravens would focus their shift a little bit more of the pass as well. But just in terms of even what's coming out of training camp right now, that's not looking good in terms of the injuries that we're talking about. Marquise Brown's out with an injury, I believe. Still, mm-hmm. uh, um, Rashad Bateman just had groin surgery today. So right now you're probably looking at, if they were to start the season today, Sammy Watkins is their wide receiver one, and someone like Miles Boykin or Devin DuVernay is their wide receiver two if the season started today. So if that's the case, that, that offense is going to be doing a little bit more running than passing. But at some point in time, those wide receivers will be back, and that would possibly be when I think the passing game picks up so when I think about the two offenses both perhaps featuring a pass attack I think the Cardinals have the better passing attack and then when we bake in the rushing upside Kyler Murray still rushed for 819 yards and 11 touchdowns last season Mm -hmm. and his rushing really tailed off after he had that shoulder injury Uh, he may have been looking at a thousand yard rushing season if he didn't become so hesitant to run following that injury that he suffered earlier in the season so for me it's Murray when I think if you're just assuming both teams are healthy I think the Cardinals will be more prone to passing I also think that Murray's rushing upside will still be there if he's not as timid as he was towards the back half of last season when he kind of dialed back the rushing a bit. So it's it's Murray for me, uh, but I, I you, you know you're splitting hairs here at this point in time. Sure, Jen, you agree splitting hairs, or uh, you know do you think it's a bigger gap than what than the way Zach said? No, I think it's splitting hairs. I I, I lean Murray as well, which I know is not great for radio. Um, I do I, I do lean Murray as well. I do like Jackson. I will say the you know um, Zach didn't mention uh, Mark Andrews, which I feel like you know that's someone that uh, with these injuries is yeah. someone that we can kind of uh, get more back on board. You know, a lot of people are off Andrews, and I think uh, I've been on him anyway. But I feel like even more so now with all these injuries, I like them both. I will say in best ball. If I do take either one of these guys, I find myself taking them both naked for most of the time. Like, mm-hmm. I just think it's kind of, it's weird though. Like, I don't know why, like, it just, I end up with both those guys in a situation. Um, I don't know. It's strange. They have similar situations as far as their, I mean, granted, Kyler Murray does have DeAndre Hopkins, but I feel like after DeAndre Hopkins, it's kind of a mess. And I feel yeah. like Lamar Jackson, it's all a mess. So um, <laughs> I end up kind of going naked with both of them. But um, I did go off on a tangent. But yes, I go Murray by a hair as well. Yep. Deep apologies to, to Adam Hutchison with four for four for uh, for Jen just uh, just crapping all over Rondale Moore. I think that's uh, I think that's <laughs> <I> just happened. <laughs> I'm not crapping all over him, and, and to be fair, I have taken him a few times. I just don't I'm just know kidding. if. Listen, you've got what Andy Isabella, Rondell Moore, AJ Green. I just don't see it, you know. And then you also have the whole Edmonds and Connor mess. There's a lot going on there, and it's a lot of a lot of meh. Like to be honest. No, I'm with you. I just I just had to throw that out there just just to crack us up a little bit. Uh, Zach, let's go receivers. These are two old Miss guys. Uh, both players cost you a second round pick, mid to late second round pick. Uh, the, uh, impressive athlete DK Metcalf or, uh, the number one Titans target until Julio Jones showed up. I don't know. AJ Brown. What, who are you taking between those two? For me, I'm probably, uh, man, this is a tough one. I was thinking about this before we got on the show too. And I wasn't quite sure my answer. Now I've, now I really have to, uh, just get into it here. So for <laughs> me, I, your head, Zach. yeah, so for me, for me, I'm probably going to go with DK Metcalf. I'll go Metcalf just because I took him in the draft sharks invitational the other day. So I might as well stick with my guy who I took. I went DK Metcalf. Um, you know, he's shown a lot in year two. He made a tremendous jump from year one to year two, and he's playing in an offense that has one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Ryan Tannehill has obviously been excellent as well over these last couple seasons but we saw Metcalf post uh you know career highs and targets last season with 129 he had 83 catches for 100 1303 yards and 10 touchdowns he was really that elite wide receiver that some people kind of doubted he could be because you know like he what he doesn't move well he doesn't break out of routes or whatever the hell the argument was um at the end of the day he's just an elite athlete who is going to make plays he towers over cornerbacks he outmuscles everybody on the field uh he's a player who I hope that uh, Pete Carroll is willing to give even more opportunities to this year. The targets could still, I think, get even higher if the Seahawks are just willing to open up their passing game a little bit more. And when you have Russell Wilson, who 
I think is still in the prime of his career and capable of making some of these big plays with these receivers that he's been given. Why not just let him continue to unload? And, you know, we have to also kind of question whether or not A.J. Brown's targets could be dialed back a bit with Julio Jones being there. Whereas when it comes to Metcalf, we've already seen what he can do with Lockett. Now we're just hoping that there's more of a ceiling to be unlocked than what we've already seen, which is already pretty good. DK Metcalf is like, he's like the, um, uh, the, the guy I can't seem to get. Like, all the drafts where my uh, draft slot lines up with where he should go, he always goes like 12th. And I'm always like, what? I, 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 don't, I, I don't get an opportunity to take him. <laughs> I have lots of A.J. Brown sprinkled in. DK Metcalf is that elusive receiver that I just haven't been able to put on any of my lineups. Uh, <laughs> I, but I, I like him a lot, too. Jen, what do you think? Metcalf or A.J. Brown? I'm in the Brown camp. I'm on the opposite side here. Um, it's not that I don't like DK Metcalf, because I do. I just feel like I'd rather take Brown and then get Lockett, you know, cheaper three rounds later. That's mm-hmm. kind of how I feel. Um, I do like, you know, I like them both, obviously. You're not going to say, like, you know. I just, I feel like, I don't know. I mean, I really want to trust the Seattle offense. I think we all do, right? But uh, at the same time, I feel like A.J. Brown is at least locked in for what's going to happen there. And I think Julio doesn't really Julio scared me at first, but like, he's already hurt, you know, and and we haven't even started. So I feel like, um, I feel like Brown is going to be uh, solid in his volume, which is obviously what we all chase here. And I, uh, I go Brown. I mean, it's not like I'm not going to take DK, but I think that uh, head to head, I'm usually going to go with Brown. Yeah, it's kind of a volume versus efficiency argument, isn't it? Like, it right. seems like A.J. Brown's probably going to get more targets. D.K. Metcalf, probably better targets. We'll, we'll see. It's uh, really interesting. Uh, thank you so much for playing, both of you. Folks, 4 for 4 is partnered with Underdog Fantasy, and I, for one, am taking full advantage. I'll be in dozens of leagues by the time the season begins, and I love the best ball format. I can draft a team and then enjoy zero maintenance all season long. No setting lineups, no waivers, no problem. You automatically get maximum points out of your team each week. Right now, we have a screaming good deal. If you deposit $10 at Underdog Fantasy and use the promo code 4 for 4 that's 4-F-O-R-4, you get $25 from Underdog. That's the price of admission to Best Ball Media 2 with $3.5 million in total prizes. And you get a pro subscription to 4 for 4 This is one of the best promos I've seen in my 14 years with 4 for 4 So take advantage. Go sign up today. We're going to shift to our main segment, the NFC East Fantasy Breakdown. Uh, I want to start with Washington. Uh, Zach, I know you're, uh, you live in that area, uh, and I, I, I have fond memories from living a few years in that area as well. We already talked a lot about Antonio Gibson, so uh, I, I think we're kind of set on what we're going to do there. Um, I, want to talk, I want to give you a chance to gush a little about, about Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I read an article you wrote in June about him. Uh, which I thought was was an excellent article. I'll include the link to that in the show notes. Uh, just kind of want to give you a chance to gush about him and talk about kind of how you're looking at Fitzpatrick from a fantasy perspective as well. Yeah, I mean, where do we start with Ryan Fitzpatrick? The beard or just the overall swag? Like, do we start there or do we get right into the football stuff? Because he's kind of the jack of all trades in every aspect of life, including a Harvard grad. I mean, you can't yeah. really say anything bad about this guy um, other than, you know, he's been on nine teams in the last 17 seasons or whatever the case may be. So he hasn't quite stuck with any team for too particularly long. But what's interesting with Ryan Fitzpatrick is that he's entering what I believe is now his age 39 season. And, you know, you tend to see quarterbacks dive down when they get into the their mid-30s and they start to tear off a little bit. Ryan Fitzpatrick has been playing some of the best football of his career. And then last season with the Dolphins, he was having a rather solid season. He ended up finishing the year with a 69% completion percentage, 2,091 passing yards, 13 touchdowns, and eight interceptions. But then midway through the season, I believe it was after week six, if I'm not mistaken, he had you know been benched for Tua Tagovailoa, who the Dolphins understandably wanted to get in the game. But it was kind of like, you know, here you have a guy who's on pace to best all of his numbers from the previous season in a year in which the Dolphins could barely win a game in 2019. Now he's looking like a competitive quarterback. He's leading them to about a 500 record. And they just go ahead and they throw to it in there. And then Fitzpatrick kind of became like the closing pitcher of the team where whenever they needed to kind of save the game or, or, you know, try to at least have one last shot at it, Fitzpatrick came in there and saved the day. But 
Um, one thing that I had noted in my article, let me just scroll down here at the end of it here, but it was over the last 20 games that he has played um, and that he has started, and Ryan Fitzpatrick has posted 12 QB1 finishes. And this year, you could argue that he probably has some of the best offensive weapons at his disposal compared to the previous seasons playing on teams with Miami. If you remember, he actually led the Miami Dolphins in rushing yards in 2019. He and did, all he, had was, yeah. he did. And it was 243 yards and four touchdowns. So uh, when you're leading the team in rushing as a quarterback who is not known Known for his elite rushing ability that kind of says a lot about the rest of what you have around you and I just kind of think that right now I don't think that Washington is going to be looking to jam Taylor Heineke into any kind of position as long as this team stays competitive I think that they should stay competitive given the defense that they have coming into year two under Ron Rivera so if, if Ryan Fitzpatrick can just find at least one more good season of you know the best football of his career uh, whether he plays in 2022 who knows? Who cares? I want to see what he can do in 2021. Try to get this team to the playoffs. Uh, you know, at the very least, have one really strong final season with a rather solid team around him. We could be talking about them as a division winners come January. So I, I would love to see Ryan Fitzpatrick get us there. I have a uh, I have a side podcast that 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 does trivia, and my favorite question on that show is who led the Dolphins in rushing in 2019. It's a great question. It's the best trivia question ever. It's also, uh, I wrote an article, never mind that it was uh, propping up Matt Breida last year, but I wrote an article last year and TJ Hernandez was editing it. Mm -hmm. And he sent me a message and he said, dude, I had to double check and triple check your Ryan Fitzpatrick leading the team in rushing. Yeah, it couldn't possibly be correct. It couldn't possibly be correct. But here it is. I love it. Uh, Jen, you, uh, you've talked a lot about uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick we have on this show. Um, feel free to say something, but I really want to hear yeah. if you think J.D. McKissick uh, can continue to be a productive PPR option. Um, I know looking at the, the bargain basement running backs, uh, something we all do, we all like to do, especially in the different formats. Uh, McKissick is interesting. He's one of the biggest discrepancy players from last year in his value in a standard versus PPR. Like he was top 20 PPR and not even sniffing that in standard. Um, so j- your thoughts on McKissick. And then, of course, if you want to add something about the great Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I do have something to add about the great Ryan Fitzpatrick. Cause I, too, <laughs> I, too, wrote an article about Ryan Fitzpatrick um, before a couple months before Zach's. Uh, before and, it was cool. Before yeah, it was before, cool. Before, yeah, no, it was actually it was right when right when he signed there. It was kind of my take. <laughs> But I had one of my headers uh, was that uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the wonder bra of quarterbacks <laughs> because he is uh, he supports, you know, going back. He's all he always has a fantasy, you know, relevant and not, not just fantasy relevant, but wide receiver ones. I mean, dating back to uh, pretty much every team he's ever been on. He has one to two uh, wide receiver ones that he supports so that I just wanted to throw that in there. Um, but back to J- uh, your actual question with JD, I'm not really buying him so much. I just feel like last year was kind of the perfect storm of crappy quarterbacks, Gibson being hurt and him being in the right place. Like I just, I can't imagine that he gets that kind of volume again. Um, I think in full PPR, sure, you know, throw a dart at him here and there, but I just don't think that um, he's going to get even close to the output he had last year. Uh, yeah, you know, one thing about McKissage, he's just never been healthy throughout his career either. So, you know, it seems like maybe an outlier that he was able to play right. as much as he was last year. Um, talk about other pass catchers. Uh, Zach, Terry McLaurin seems poised to just go nuclear this year. I mean, with Fitzpatrick there, the Jen just gave us that nugget about Fitzpatrick's ability to uh, sustain and prop up uh, Wonder Bra, if you will, the, yes. the receivers around him. Uh, I, I It seems like he's going to go nuclear. Is there anything that we're missing about McLaurin that maybe we should be concerned about? Uh, I don't really think there is. Uh, it, you know, we, we've seen him produce with just some awful quarterbacks. I, I'd be half embarrassed to say I couldn't name all of them, but then on the other hand, you know, they weren't very good quarterbacks, so they probably weren't worth remembering too much. You know, they had Dwayne Haskins. I think it was Kyle Allen at some point in time last season. And then Alex Smith, who really couldn't, you know, have much of a depth of, depth of target beyond the line of scrimmage, which, you know, propped up J.D. McKissick, as we just previously talked about. I think McLaurin getting paired with Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of gives him exactly the kind of quarterback that he needs to really go out there and make the plays that we know he's capable of making. It was actually rather encouraging. Uh, last night in the game against the Patriots, the very first play of the game, I believe it was a play-action pass to Terry McLaurin for like a 22-yard gain. It was a little only catch of the, the day, but it was a nice it was a nice play to see, and it was, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is kind of the guy who's going to give you uh, those DGAF balls, and he is always willing to target his his 
elite number one receiver downfield. He kind of make, made Mike Evans have a lot of good seasons with him uh, during this time with the Buccaneers. He is fearless when it comes to targeting his elite wide receivers, and if he knows he has one, he will use it. So I, I, I would like to think that McLaurin is going to go nuclear. I love getting him in drafts. He has the speed. He has the size. You know, great hands. I, I, I really think that this year is going to be the year for him. If I had to say something that would perhaps be a negative with him, I would say that the concern could be that the defense is good enough to keep the football team uh, in games and win games for them, and perhaps we see a little bit more conservative approach with the offense, where they focus more on running the ball and not asking Ryan Fitzpatrick to air it out in games where he doesn't have to. If I was to paint a negative idea behind it, that may be it. Sure, he'll cost you an early third round pick in most pit, in most drafts. That's where his ADP is underdog. Uh, you know the other guys, Zach. The other receivers there uh, won't cost you quite as much. The the highest cost is Curtis Samuel, who's injured right now but should be fine for the start of the season. He's going as wide receiver 46, ADP of 90.9. And then you've got uh, the rookie Deami Brown, who looks like a, an exciting downfield target. Adam Humphreys is running around there. We still got uh, Jen and my favorite miss from last year, Steven Sims, uh, oh. currently on the roster, probably not going <laughs> to not gonna make the final, uh, final 53. Uh, any of those other receivers at cost interesting to you at all, Zach? Uh, I mean, I was interested in Curtis Samuel before he signed with Washington, only because it was, you know, he had his best season without Ron Rivera, and I th always thought that kind of with the Panthers, that they didn't always use him to the best of his abilities, and then he gets away from Ron Rivera, has a chance to go anywhere, and he comes right back to him, and I am a little bit concerned that Samuel, uh, you know, maybe won't produce the level that he did last season, but I would like to think that Curtis Samuel currently going as a wide receiver in 46 and underdog could provide us some decent weeks, and hopefully... Uh, maybe part of the reason that he didn't do as well with Ramavera in terms of the fantasy perspective was that he was also playing with Cam Newton. He was also playing with, uh, actually, ironically, Kyle Allen, who was recently with the football team. And then, you know, Christian McCaffrey, who can just take all kinds of check down passes and stuff like that and kind of work in the area of the field where Samuel also works at. So, uh, Op optimistic you know maybe a little bit that Ryan Fitzpatrick is able to give Samuel a little bit more opportunities given that he's a different style quarterback than Cam Newton but um yeah I think Diami Brown is probably interesting me a little bit more than uh Curtis Samuel with the hopes that at some point in time Diami Brown uh eclipses Adam Humphreys on the depth chart if he hasn't already and it's just a little bit more of a late round value that may give us a few spike weeks yeah, I, I'm very interested in all the pass catchers there for that reason. Like, one of those guys is going to be valuable. I'm not I'm not positive which one it's going to be, but one of those guys, whether it's Diaby Brown or <laughs> I've kind of sprinkled an underdog. I've sprinkled all those guys into my lineups. Like, I've got I've got a couple leagues where Adam Humphreys is is my last receiver. i got a couple leagues where Diaby Brown will cost you a little bit more. I've seen him kind of inch up, but got a few leagues where I've got, like, a late round Ryan Fitzpatrick, Diaby Brown, J.D. McKissick stack. Oh, yeah. uh, stuff like that. So I've done that. Uh, the, the last pass catcher and, uh, you know, one of my favorite pass catchers in Washington actually is uh, Logan Thomas, the tight end, uh, going as tight end nine right now uh, on underdog. Uh, you can kind of get him late. He's uh, definitely in like that second, third tier of tight ends, but definitely had a breakout season last year. Jen, as my favorite tight end guru, um, what are your thoughts on Logan Thomas going into this season? Well, you know, Logan, Logan Thomas actually saved my butt last year, um, and, I, and I want to love him, but I don't. Um, I, I'm one of those, uh, as everybody knows, uh, who listens to the show or, or reads any of my streaming stuff, um, I'm either pay up for Elite or I wait and stream. So this year I'm not taking Logan Thomas. I do see the value in him, though. On Underdog, he is, um, I think... Uh, tight end ten? Did you already say that? I I, I was kind of yeah. So he's he's, he's tight end nine as... right now, but oh, okay. it, it it fluctuates day to day, honestly. Tight end nine, ten ish. Um, you know he's going what in the like late ninth to early tenth round. I mean there is value there. There's definitely value there. But for me, I'm usually loading up on depth at that point, and I'm gonna wait. Um, but I do understand why people like him. I just feel like once again, similar to JD, I think last year might have been a situation where he was in the perfect spot to do that with the perfect, you know, mix of Alex Smith and, and whoever else was there. Um, but I do feel like this year with Fitzpatrick, I just don't know if he'll be targeted as much. I don't know if it's going to, he's going to get the usage that he got last year. Um, I, I, I'm one that, you know, listen, I've done plenty of best balls. I think, I don't know what I'm up to. I'm an underdog at this moment, but I do feel like, you know, for most of mine, I do end up either paying up or waiting um, I, I think it just depends. I mean, listen, it, the, the best thing about underdog is that you can kind of, you know, 
you can do whether you do the puppy or you know depending on whichever price range you know they have them as cheap as three bucks you know so you can practice and figure out you know what you want to do some of them you can take say the logan thomas or tyler higby you know in that range or you can wait and punt all the way and and wait for you know everett or whoever else um so you know that's like i said it's the one good one of the, the very many things about underdog that we love um, and I do remember that earlier in this uh, in this podcast when I was talking about Underdog, I actually forgot to give our promo code, which is uh, you have to put in code four for four. So the number four and then F O R and then the number four again. Um, and if you put that, if you know you sign up for Underdog and you put that in there, you deposit ten bucks, you get twenty five dollars from Underdog right away, and you get a uh, four for four pro subscription. And I think also I don't know if they're still doing it. But I believe, well, actually, no, I don't know if they're doing that. So I'm just going to keep my mouth shut there. Um, but yes, that is the promo. And, um, you know, it's fun. I think you should kind of, like, you know, experiment with the tight ends. That's one position because it is a onesie position that you can kind of experiment and take different, you know, pay up one time, go in the middle one time, and go all the way at the end. You know, and Logan, Logan Thomas is kind of one of those guys that I don't know if you want to take him every time, but you sprinkle him in. Yeah, I've got a little sprinkle. I like, uh, like you said, you can try different things. I like that tight end strategy that you could do on underdog. Um, I tend to be an early or late guy. It tends to be what I do, although I'm shifting a little bit from that this year because I really like Mark Andrews and I really like TJ Hawkinson and those guys are fifth, sixth rounders now. So but see, I, I, I consider them, I consider that, I consider that early still. I mean, oh, I'm just not... saying, you know, in previous years, like when Evan Ingram was a fifth round pick, like that wasn't my game. Like I was, right. I was going you know, Kittle, Kelsey, or I was going way at the bottom, right? This year, I'm sprinkling in those middle round guys, which I, I, I just haven't done in the past. I, I like that I can have a build where I take Kelsey early, and then I only need one tight end to cover the bye week. Yeah. And then I like builds where I wait till the end, and I take like Ferkser, Gerald Everett, and, you know, uh, uh, somebody else like uh, like Dan Ebron, Arnold. my favorite. E- Ebron, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, Zach, uh, I know you've been playing a lot of best ball over at Underdog as well. Uh, what's your tight end strategy? Any targets that you have right now on Underdog before we shift to the Eagles? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm kind of in the same camp as you all. I, I, I'm looking to get those elite tight ends early if I can. Uh, Mark Andrews is probably my cutoff point with Kelsey Waller, Kittle, uh, then Hawkinson, uh, maybe some Pitts, and then Andrews after that. So I do think that there's six tight ends there who are all pretty solid. You can get kind of in the first five to six rounds. You know, Kelsey and Waller and Kittle are probably in a class all their own, with Kelsey really being the one that stands out even between those three. But I'm in the same camp. Uh, if if I'm if I'm taking a tight end any time around round seven or eight, I'm probably looking to do more of a three tight end build. And uh, I, I'm not necessarily going to commit to any tight end with the first 10 rounds, if that's the case. I think that there's some tight ends who could also really truly be, um, you know, some, some sneaky tight end one candidates. And I don't think that the difference between any of the tight ends going around that 7 to 12 range is going to be so great that some of those other guys going later um, can't either match them or come close to matching them or even um, surpass them. Some guys who stand out to me, I think, as potential tight end one players, uh, perhaps a guy like Gerald Everett going to the Seahawks with a familiar coach um, that they brought over from the Rams. I think Evan Ingram has a chance to perhaps sneak into tight end one territory. The yards were there last season. The receptions were there last year. He only scored two touchdowns, and one of them was a rushing touchdown last season. So if you're a believer in regression, then you kind of have to expect that if the targets are still going to be there for Evan Ingram this season, then hopefully the touchdowns will be, and he can kind of rebound from what was just a really brutal uh, 2020 season for him. So there are tight ends who I like late, uh, who I think could sneak into that tight end one category by the time this thing is all said and done, uh, where I'm not going to be forced to you know grab one of those you know early round tight ends necessarily. I can just do a three tight end build, grabbing a couple later guys who I think have the upside to to make them solid picks. I agree, but like we, it's funny we have to kind of start to think about redraft, right? I mean, that's kind of where we're we're heading um, as far as the season goes. So it's funny, like all of us have to kind of train our brains because you're like, okay, we can just sprinkle in Everett and we can sprinkle in, you know, uh, Tyler Conklin, you know. But then you have to be like, okay, wait, we have to go back to redraft where Logan Thomas may actually be someone you take at the end of a draft. Yeah. Um, you know, but I just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, yeah, I'm paralyzed on my on my home league right now. My my home league that's long set. I'm paralyzed on what I'm going to do with the sixth pick. Because <laughs> I'm like, it's, I only get one shot. <laughs> it's I know. It's such a weird thing to all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. Like, we have to do redraft and then you have to like, it's a, you know, it's a different mentality. I mean, mm-hmm. some of it's the same, obviously. You're, you're chasing the same things, but 
your actual builds and your construction. You know, luckily I've been doing a bunch of these perfect draft articles of four for four. So I'm kind of like, I realize I get halfway through the draft and I'm like, oh yeah, I don't have to take another tight end. I don't have to take another quarterback. All right, I'm good. So you have to kind of switch your mind. Uh, but speaking of switching our mind, let's let's go to the Eagles. Um, and we might as well stay on tight ends because that's where we were. So we've got Goddard and we have Ertz, who doesn't appear to be leaving. So, Zach, what are you doing with these guys? Are you starting to get Ertz? Is he starting to move up a little bit? Or are you still off of him? What's, uh, what are you thinking? Uh, yeah, so I hadn't been drafting a whole lot of Goddard just just because of the concern that Ertz was still hanging around. And then, you know, the fact that, I, I, again, we just talked about not wanting to necessarily get some of the Titans in that range where he's going right now. One interesting note that I saw uh, earlier today was in their game last night when Jalen Hurts was on the field. Uh, it was, yeah, Jalen Hurts, right? I'm thinking Hurts yeah. and Ertz. When Jalen Hurts <laughs> was on the field last night, Ertz um, was on the field for seven of those snaps and Goddard was on the field for only four of those snaps. That's a super small sample size and we shouldn't probably invest too much into it, but it was still kind of Ertz if you want to talk about who had the starter snaps, who had the backup snaps. It was Ertz who had more snaps than Goddard, which I think is really interesting for a player who they were just talking about trading. You can still get Ertz really late in drafts right now to the point where if you think there's a chance that he's going to be on the field in either enough two tight end sets or somehow still manages to be the starter or if he gets traded, he's probably going to get traded to a team where they're going to look to deploy him as the lead tight end. So, um, you know, I, I don't ever feel really compelled to get Goddard, but I think if you're looking to do those late tight end builds, I think Ertz is going to give you, you know, a handful of weeks that are going to get you into his lineup, and he doesn't really come at much of a cost at all. So I, I, I actually do like, um, I'm, man, Ertz and Hurts is just brutal. I do like Zach <laughs> Ertz at the end of drafts right now for sure. I love yeah. this. I've been I've been like talking about the Darnold to D Arnold, uh, you know, uh, connection <laughs> that has it has to be good, right? I didn't even think about Hertz to Ertz. Hertz to I'm sold. I'm sold. Zach Ertz tied in one. I'm sold. <laughs> tied in one. Yeah. No, I. You know, I've come around on him, uh, and and you know, and basically as he continues to stay on the Eagles, I'm like, okay, uh, they don't seem to be shipping him, and they're using him. I mean, like Zach said, he was there last night, and he was, you know, he was part of the offense. So it's not like, you know, Deshaun Watson, where they have him, like, off in Scrubville, like, you know, wiping benches or whatever he's doing. Like, Ertz is still there, and he's playing, and he's part of the offense. So um, he's someone that is super cheap right now, and I, I don't think I've taken him at all this season, but I think I'm going to start to. Um, I mean, probably not in redraft, but in um, in best ball, I, I you know, I think his ADP will probably go up as the preseason goes on if he continues to get work. So mm -hmm. getting him now is, is probably a good idea. Um, let's move on to other receivers. We already have Devonta Smith's already hurt. So he's got a sprained MCL. He'll be out for a couple weeks. Um, Ward, I guess, is doing all right in camp. But, of course, last night you have Quez Watkins, who was the big talk of last night. Um, what are we doing at wide receiver? We'll start. Zach, what, uh, how are you feeling about these guys? So my concern with the Eagles in terms of their wide receivers, if you're not talking about injuries, is just kind of talking about and, and working my way through the possibility of this offense being more geared towards a run similar to maybe what we see out of the Ravens in terms of having that athletic quarterback who maybe isn't necessarily the strongest thrower of the football. And if they can find ways to get creative in the running game, now you're looking more at, you know, Miles Sanders. Jalen Hurts, maybe a little Boston Scott sprinkled in there, and then the tight end being the lead target of that offense. So I question just how much will be left for the wide receivers to get if you know if that's the route that they end up going. Uh, Hurts did not look particularly great yesterday, and you know you just mentioned Quez Watkins. You want to talk about free players and drafts? I don't know if Quez Watkins has an ADP right now, and he just reeled off. He he will next week, but. Yeah, that's um, going to change. Yeah, that's going to change. But yeah, his ADP is 215.3. So that's basically the last pick of your underdog drafts. And he reeled off a 79-yard screen pass for a touchdown. He runs a 4-3-5, 40-yard dash. He is a player who, even at the end of the game, um, Jalen Hurts has commented saying that he's no longer a secret now after that big play. So uh, depending on how much truth is in those comments, how much, how much uh, truth is in what we saw him do last night, uh, Quez Watkins would be a player who I would actually be very interested in targeting late in underdog drafts. If I had to go with one of the earlier wide receivers, um, yeah, I'll, I'll take shots, you know, sporadically on on both Rager and and Devonta Smith. I think they could both, you know, see some looks still, but I I do have some concerns about what the offense is going to look like and just how often they will be targeting wide receivers and if those wide receiver targets will be ones that we want um, by the time you know we we look back on this thing at the end of the season. Any interest in Ward or Fulgham? 
Fogum would fall in the in the Quez Watkins category as kind of that late round wide receiver who I maybe right. be interested in. Uh, Greg Ward, no. Um, you know, at this point in time, we've we've now covered four wide receivers, so I, <laughs> I, I think he would probably make sense yeah. as a wide receiver five. I, I I grew up rooting for the Baltimore Ravens. I can tell you, I've heard a lot of really great wide receiver stories out of camp that haven't amounted to much in the regular season. <laughs> so I, I I'll fade the noise on uh, on Greg Ward and think that maybe that's just a, a player who's been there and done that, and he's probably looking better than like players who haven't done much. So we'll see. Yeah, Ward was one was one of those last year, one of the waiver wire like you know, one or two games, and then he was a bust. And, and yeah, right. Um, I think in like SFB, you know, people waste a ton of money on him, and then he did nothing later. <laughs> yeah, so I like I like the potential of these receivers, but in redraft, I just I don't want to have to guess which one to start each week, like whatever no, happens. So I'm kind of no. with Zach yeah. here, and um, the guy I'll take in redraft leagues, I'll take him late as Kenny Gainwell because I I think he's gonna catch passes. I think he's going to uh, be the change of pace guy. Boston Scott is the threat there, obviously, but I just, I've just never been a Boston Scott guy. I feel like he we keep screwed waiting. me so bad last year. Right? I will not take him. I can't. I do feel it. like we keep waiting. I had him for everywhere him to be good. last year. <laughs> so Kenny Gainwell, I'm grabbing because he's cheap. If he stops being right. cheap, I probably won't grab him him anymore. But uh, you know, Nick Sirianni has said that uh, he sees Kenny Gainwell as the Naheem Hines in, of his offense. And if he can do that, then Hines had a lot of value, um, you know, as an RB3 or flex option in, in PPR formats. I think Kenny Gainwell could do the same thing. He looked really good against Pittsburgh in limited opportunities. He ran well, caught the ball well. Uh, people loved him coming out of Memphis. It was shocking he was there on day three in the draft. So I he's the guy I'm watching if I'm drafting any Eagles late outside of the tight ends. Yeah, I I think that Gamewell is a good bet. I think I think if you're look, you know, debating it over the course of the season, I think Gamewell would kind of be more of a bet for perhaps one of those running backs who comes on a little bit later on in the season. Maybe he surpasses Boston Scott on the depth chart later on and looks more usable towards the back half of the season rather than the front. But it'll be interesting to see. Um, last night when again when Jalen Hurts was on the field, it was five snaps for Jordan Howard, five snaps snaps for Boston Scott. Miles Sanders, um, he didn't play yesterday. So, you know, I could I could see Boston Scott maybe being more ahead of the depth chart early and maybe game will come up a little bit later. You know, you mentioned Sanders. I mean, we didn't really talk about him. I mean, are we uh, – how do we feel about Sanders? I mean, his 80 – it's crazy because he's fallen so far. I mean, he's what, a fifth rounder right now? Yeah, 51. Yeah, he's, he's in that territory, yeah, late 51. fourth. I mean, are either of you buying Sanders this year? At cost, I will, last year I wasn't in because I didn't I didn't like the second round price tag. But fourth round, I I've got a little bit of him, and if he if he starts to fall any more in redraft, I'll probably uh, I'll probably have a lot of him as my RB two. Yeah, I I haven't really been taking him. It's just I don't know. There's something about him in that range. I I, I tend to go more towards wide receivers in that in that early, late fourth, early fifth round range. So um, unless I'm trying to maybe do something like a hyper fragile build in terms of best ball. Now, if you want to talk redraft, maybe he is one of those players you feel safer taking if you kind of started out your draft with three solid wide receivers and you, now you're just looking right. to to drop a spot. Um, you know, drop a running back in there who you can at least feel good about. But Miles Sanders, it, it it doesn't really move me one way or another. He's just kind of a player who I, I might periodically add without giving much thought to it I agree I I actually unfortunately had a lot of him last year I did a lot of I had a lot of Sanders and Scott in, in different formats and it did not uh, work out well for <laughs> me so um, unfortunately the recency bias is, is is alive and well in me and I can't I can't do it um, I guess the only thing we really have to talk about with the Eagles is, I mean, what, what do we think about the possibility of the Deshaun Watson and Jalen Hurts rumors, any of that? Like, I'm still not – I don't think Watson's going to play at all this year in the NFL. I just don't see it. Even if he is traded, I still don't see it. I don't know. I'm not buying him. I'm not even buying him in the last round. It's just I feel like it's a waste. But are either of you on board with this or, or thinking about throwing a dart? Uh, for, for myself, it's – for me, it's kind of like I think if that he ends up going with the Eagles, it's going to be the Eagles buying low on Deshaun Watson in terms of a trade to get him out of Houston. But that would require the Texans to actually be willing to sell him low, which I don't think they're going to be willing to do. And then yeah, I that's foresee, my thing. And then I foresee some kind of like scenario where, okay, so he goes to the Eagles. Maybe the Eagles do just pull off the big trade. They get Deshaun Watson, and they, they kind of come around the idea that uh, no matter what, at the end of the day, he's probably going to be playing football in at least 2022. We'll weather the 2021 season with Joe Flacco as our quarterback, and we'll, we'll just get this thing moving. It's a weird situation to kind of dissect. I'm not drafting Deshaun Watson 
it all. There's there's a number of players that I kind of just like put in my mind that during the season where it's just like, you know what, I'm not going to draft them. And if they're wrong, I'm just going to accept the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm going to be wrong on them and I move on. And Deshaun <laughs> Watts is one of those players where I, I'm willing to be wrong on him. I can probably find plenty of other quarterbacks who are, are going to give us you know, really, really good weeks, obviously. And yeah, it sucks that you might lose out on him at a really good late round value, but I, I have no interest in him. That's like, that's my Joe Mixon. Like, I don't care if I'm wrong. It's not happening. Same. Yeah. Yeah. I, you're, you're probably not going to see me drafting a lot of Joe Mixon yep. unless one of my guests on my live stream talks me into it or something like that. I have zero, like, unless it's an auto, like, you know, but I, I purposely, I will not click that button. So, yeah. Um, and I'll be wrong. You know, I, I'm okay with that. I am sprinkling in Jalen Hurts into into my lineups oh, yeah. at times. Yeah, 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 I like him. Um, I I feel like if the Watson trade did happen, like if I'm Houston, I want Hurts. So I feel like Hurts is going to have value bo- value regardless. But uh, I can't see Philly trading for Watson and keeping Hurts on the roster. It just doesn't make sense to me. But, no, no. Uh, so I'm doing that. Uh, let's shift to Dallas, and we're running long because we always run long. So we'll try to <laughs> we'll try to speed through Dallas. There really isn't a ton to talk about. Like Dak is amazing. Uh, and has QB1 potential if he's healthy. I know he's been a little nicked up in camp. I feel like they're just kind of taking care of him. I want to talk more, Zach. Uh, I want to talk more about like Zeke and Tony Pollard because uh, Pollard gets drafted as more than a handcuff, and maybe he should. And Zeke is getting drafted still like fifth, sixth, but it, it seems like it's fifth, sixth with an asterisk. Like People are concerned that Zeke might be uh, nearing the end of his run as a great back because he struggled a bit last year after Dak went down. Do you think Zeke rebounds and is Pollard more than a handcuff? So I think I think Zeke can rebound even if Pollard is more than a handcuff. Uh, you know, Zeke saw a lot of volume last season. Still, he um, did not you know return the value that people who looked for when they were drafting him as a top three running back. But I think that Zeke can rebound this year. You, I think you got to remember too that that offense was terrible when Andy Dalton was the quarterback, and when that offense is terrible, that means that Ezekiel Elliott and the rest of the offense are not going to be on the field to make as many plays as they might be able to when Dak Prescott is extending drive and moving the ball downfield uh Mm -hmm. for for some of the seasons that we got out of you know like cd lamb and amari cooper they weren't you know horrible but they also weren't nearly as good as we thought they could have been if they would have had Dak prescott for a full 16 games so i think zeke can rebound but then there's also been some talk out of camp that uh you know dallas might not look to use as Ezekiel Elliott quite as much as they would have traditionally, which could open up some kind of role for Tony Pollard, even if that's just a third down receiving role. That's a role that we know Tony Pollard could certainly thrive in, and I think that he would offer some high upside weeks. I gotta check on his ADP real quick. He's currently going 120, so he's going right at the back end of the 10th round. That's really not a horrible place to get a guy. Um, if you want, if you want to think about someone maybe like Kareem Hunt, who we like for some of his receiving upside and some of the spike weeks he can get us, Kareem Hunt's like a fifth or sixth round value. If Tony Pollard is even like a Kareem Hunt light in a very good Dallas offense where he's bringing some receiving upside to the table and a couple few long runs here and there, I think he could be a good pick. And then you know, if Zeke goes down, the sky becomes a limit. Yeah, Zach. Um, Zach mentioned that uh, C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup obviously was disappointing last year. Uh, Lamb and Cooper, not quite what we expected, but still good seasons. Uh, Jen, with Dak coming back, how many wide receivers can this offense sustain? I think I think I think all three are viable. I think at their, you know, I, yeah. I th- I think it, you know if listen if Dak's healthy, we've got a good O line. I think they're fine. I just think you know Gallup is is appeals to me just because he's cheaper, right? Yeah, yeah. Um. And so, you know, and I feel like Amari and CD are right by each other in ADP. It's kind of a toss-up there that I usually end up skipping both and going for Gallup. Um, I wrote an article about that. It's funny because it was, Sal was promoting it as if I, like, hated both of them, and I would get, you know, and it's not that at all. I just, I prefer to maybe take a different approach at that round and then just wait later and grab Gallup because I think he's fine. I think he's viable, and I think, you know, it's hard, though, because you've got the tight ends, too. And that's a situation where, you know, I don't know. I hope, you know, I've, I've been sprinkling in some Jarwin, you know, and some Schultz because I'm not really sure what's going to happen there. It's like Jarwin should be the, the starter, but yet Schultz was pretty good last year, you know, when Jarwin went down. So yeah. I don't know if they're going to go right back to Jarwin and have him be that tight end one or if they're going to kind of do a, a committee, which unfortunately – a lot of teams have gone, you know, in, in more of the committee route for tight end, which really screws us for fantasy purposes. But um, it just seems like a lot of the NFL is going that route. If there's not like a tight end one as much anymore, which kind of sucks. And so that might happen 
But I think, you know, that offense as a whole, um, the way their schedule is and the way their division is and, and their opponents, I think that they're going to they're gonna score a lot of points. So I think, you know, in fantasy purposes-wise, we always want pieces of offenses that are going to score a lot of points. So um, I wouldn't discourage anyone from taking any Cowboys this season. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm buying that offense in general. Zach, are you paying for those two top receivers? They're both, they'll both cost you like a third-round pick, C.D. Lamb and, and Amari Cooper. Yeah, um, uh, Amari, I haven't gotten quite as much of lately, only because of the injury, you know, that he's dealing with right now. I think he's still reportedly dealing a little bit with the ankle. That's probably, I probably shouldn't let that, you know, scare me off of him too much. But a couple of days ago, it was just reported he's still dealing with his ankle injury. Ceedee Lamb, I'm all in on. I think all three of these receivers can see 100 plus targets. They did last season, and you know, I I, I don't hate any of them. Uh, you know, Jim made just a really good point about Michael Gallup being the cheapest of the options, and maybe you do just go with the cheapest one and and get out, so you can still have a good piece of that offense. Not maybe it's not necessarily the the week to week solid play that Cooper or Lamb could be, but if he gives you enough weeks as ADP, um, he'd still be a relatively solid player. I, I think a lot of people are rather high on um, Tyler Boyd in that similar range, and I think he's kind of in a similar position to Gallup where he might not necessarily be that number one receiver on his team, maybe not even the number two, but he's a good enough receiver that getting him at his ADP as a wide receiver three and either an offense that could throw the ball a lot like Tyler Boyd's offense or in an offense that's just going to be very good like Dallas's then getting Gallup there and, and maybe just making him your only receiver in, in the Dallas offense isn't bad and then uh, I just want to touch real quick on their tight ends and then I, I'll, I'll shut up but um, I really do think that Schultz has a chance to perhaps be the value pick there he's a tight end who um, actually I, I mentioned in my conversation with Sean earlier that was another point that he made to me too was is there really much of an incentive for Dallas to roll Jarwin out as the number one tight end when we've never really seen a fully productive season from him from a number standpoint and and you know last season Schultz actually didn't only get a chance to play but played very well maybe they just go back to that guy who they're familiar with from a production standpoint and they've seen him now have that solid season so he could be a sneaky value I like it you um all right since we're running long let's go quick we're gonna go to the Giants which to me is the Giants offense is just gross I'm sorry like I can't (laughs) I can't get excited about any of it. Um, I definitely can't. Um, but we have, we can start off, we have Barkley, right? Obviously, injury concerns, all that stuff. Um, our injury, 4 for 4 injury guy, Adam Hutchinson, likes him. Um, but he does realize it's a gamble. Um, I have not really been taking Barkley. Have either of you? I started to take him when his ADP was dipping a little bit. I kind of had some fun and was trying to do some early two running back builds where I was just having like Kamara Barkley, Zeke Barkley, uh, Jonathan Taylor Barkley, just because just I thought it might be fun. Like if, if, if he's a good player and, you know, he should be if he's healthy, hopefully. Like I'll, I'll have a couple two-headed monster running back stacks just because his ADP was falling to the second round for a little bit. So I had some fun there, but in general, I've been fading him. Yeah, I, when he's there in the second round, I'll sprinkle him in. Gotcha. Um, and then I guess, yeah, I mean, that's really all we have to talk about as far as that goes. I mean, backup wise, I mean, I guess, I guess getting a backup for him is something that, um, is probably a good idea considering (laughs) that he is, he does get hurt, but, um, all right, next week we can go to the wide receivers. Um, Galladay, I've been out on him at his cost. I don't know how you guys feel. It's tough for me to get behind, um, his cost with Daniel Jones and with him coming back from injury. I think because his range of outcomes is so high that, you know, ADP 64.1, I'm sprinkling him in and he's actually, I've seen him in some of the redrafts I've, uh, I've seen, I've seen him go in the seventh round. And if he's there, I think because he has the potential to score, uh, to be like the primary scoring red zone option, given his skill set, because historically he doesn't need a lot of targets to be good. I, I, I'm sprinkling him in. I, I, I think I'm a little more bullish than others on him because uh, his ADP has gone down. If he was still going third round like he was a year ago, I, I wouldn't be interested because the Giants offense is so blah, as you, uh, as you mentioned. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, as my wide receiver three in that boat, I think, he, I think there's some value to be had there given his range of outcomes. Now, that could bottom out and he's already nicked up. But, uh, you know, he definitely has wide receiver one potential. Yeah, um, I've been, I've been out on Galladay as well. The one who I keep coming back to is Sterling Shepard. I really like the way that they've kind yeah. of used I've him. I've taken him too. Yeah, yeah. like Sterling Shepard. Like, I, maybe I'm an idiot for it, and we'll we'll find out soon enough. But whenever I see Sterling Shepard pop up on the board, he's got 152.9 ADP right now over on Underdog. Whenever I see him pop on the board, I kind of just smile to myself, go, "Oh, okay, he saw 90 targets last season." 
had over 600 yards, and that was a really bad offense. I don't think he's really had a threat to lose his role on the team. I know they added Kadarius Tony, but that's just really not gone well since they, he's been drafted there. So I, yeah. I think Shepard's a, a really fine play going as a wide receiver 71 right now. Um, I, I think he has more than enough um, capability of, of sprinkling in a couple top 24, maybe even wide receiver one weeks over the course of the season if that Giants offense can just fix itself and Daniel Jones can throw more than 11 touchdown passes. Are we concerned about Daniel Jones? Are we drafting Daniel Jones? I will say I took him and Scott Fishbowl as my as my QB three. Uh, I, I definitely, I mean, redraft definitely not taking in Daniel Jones, but uh, I guess in Superflex, I mean, I may be talked into him. Are either of you thinking about Daniel Jones? Uh, I, I don't honestly. Uh, yeah. I, he he just doesn't interest me. If if anything, Dan, yeah. I think Daniel Jones is going to be like redraft wave, waiver wire fodder. Where if he if he ends up hitting, throwing a bid for him if he looks good after a couple of weeks. If you want to start him then, but I don't feel compelled to draft him and re- redraft it all right now. Yeah, no, in, in one quarterbacks, get, nah. No, and especially if you get negative for interceptions, like which mm-hmm. most do, like it's 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 too much of a gamble for me. Yeah, there's just too many other there's too many other bodies there at quarterback. Um, that you can justify taking ahead of him. Yep. I just, I, I can't do it. I mean, I, like I said, I did take him in Scott Fishbowl. I held my nose and I just did it because I had to have a body in there mm-hmm. um, that, that I knew wasn't going to lose his job at least, mm-hmm. or at least we don't think he's going to lose his job. Uh, but yes, I agree. He's not. He's definitely not a redraft target for me. Yeah, yeah. Two two quarterback leagues, you know, maybe. But but yeah, if, yeah. One quarterback league, he's he's definitely waiver wire guy for me too. Yep. Uh, we already talked about Ingram, so let's close the show out. We did good there packing a couple teams in the last 15 minutes. I appreciate both <laughs> of you. Uh, one day I will get the timing on this podcast correct, uh, but uh, I, I won't take up any more of your time, Zach. Uh, everyone be sure to follow Zach on Twitter at ZK underscore FFB. Go read everything he writes on 4 for 4 and at Rotoviz. Zach, thank you so much again for taking the time to join us today. Any last thoughts or plugs before we go? Uh, no, thanks a lot for having me. I'm sorry if any of my answers were a little long-winded and that drove us perhaps over this one-hour mark. But uh, thanks a lot for having me. Looking forward to getting the season started. Uh, you were great, Zach. We appreciate you. Jen, always a pleasure. Any final thoughts before we go? Um, No, I'm just ready to get going, man. I'm <laughs> so too. tired of talking about ADP. And like, it's just, <laughs> it's been months and months and months and months. I am totally ready to start talking about actual matchups and play. I'm so ready. I'm so ready for football. Uh, <laughs> listeners, don't, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Two Guys Brandon and at The Monday Mommy. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good day.